it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving. We're coming to you live from inside Old Trafford after Manchester United have beaten Norwich 3-2. But it's a strange day, to be honest, here at the ground, considering there was a victory on the pitch, but off the field, backdrop, of course, protests against the owners of the club, pre-match chance throughout the game, and even Paul Pogba being jeered off the pitch when he was substituted as well. A smell of mutiny in the April air. Just before we introduce Andy Mitten and Carl Anker to you, here's a taste of the atmosphere before kickoff. Kalanka sat next to me inside the ground. It's got quite cosy, this Carl, isn't it? Mm. We're gathered together in the press box. Um, you were outside the the stadium before the game. What was it like? Uh, it, I think, so a year on from the Super League protests we had at Old Trafford, I'd say it was a lot calmer compared to those protests. A lot more children. Um, so this was a protest put on by a group called the 1958, and they started off at a pub called the Tollgate in Stratford, and their intention was they left there from about two o'clock and they approached down Matt Busby Way just after two. Uh, I, I'd i say that we received them at Old Trafford around about a quarter past, and what was very interesting was their number. So this new group is, is fairly anonymous. A lot of, I say, I, I didn't really know how many people would turn up, but it was very much a protest of thousands rather than hundreds. How many would you say? Uh, I'd say... So there were at least four deep and they filled up the entire width of Matt Busby Way. So I'm, I'm going to start with around about estimate of 2,000. And then I'd say people who on their phones and whatever joined in w- with some of their chants, chants, of course, very much about Glazers out. Uh, I did also find it interesting that there were once again, both at this protest and the Super League protest last year, uh, they were seeing uh, You Are My Solskjaer as well. A little bit of honouring. Uh, the former Manchester United manager and, of course, still a Manchester United legend as well. Um, there have been some statements from the group. Their intention was very much to have a calm protest, and I think it was it was mostly calm. Their intention was to not enter Old Trafford until 17 minutes past three, which had a very strange knock-on effect for anyone else who wasn't protesting but was trying to get into Old Trafford because uh, there was a little part, uh, I'd say maybe 15 to 20 minutes before the game, where essentially security closed the shutters and made it impossible for anyone to get into Old Trafford as well. Um, so I know you were in the ground mm. beforehand. Did you see a noticeable surge of people come in around about 17 minutes past? Um, there was a few people. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Certainly sections towards where the Red Army sit in the corner near the tunnel and also on the old K-stand section as well on the, over the other side. 
Uh, I think certainly the impact of the protest would have been felt more outside the ground pre-match rather than on the 17th minute. But Andy, it's a good point to introduce you, considering you weren't at the game, how much you notice. You've been across the story, of course, as a piece on The Athletic, um, sampling the, the, the flavour amongst Manchester United fans at the moment. You've called the fan base fractured and frustrated in that piece. What did you make of everything today and, of course, at the training ground yesterday as well? Fans are protesting because they're, they're deeply frustrated. Uh, there are a number of reasons for that, uh, only one of which is the poor form of the team recently. The Glazer family have never been popular with Manchester United fans since their highly leveraged takeover in 2005. Uh, the protests and the strength of feeling bubbles up and bubbles under at the moment, in part because of the poor results. Fans are, are unhappy, but there's also the fact that we're a year now since that European Super League uh, withdrawal from Manchester United when the club didn't communicate with anyone, not even people at Old Trafford, or Joel Glazer didn't communicate with anyone as to United uh, planning to enter that. And Joel Glazer then started communicating with fans for the first time um, via uh, the fans forum, via uh, an open letter. And there was a lot of promising talk. And I think now there's a feeling that not enough has happened in that year. And it's it, it, I'm trying to make it sound simple. It's not simple. It's a very complex set of circumstances. I use the word fractured to describe the fan base because that's what it is. Fans turn against each other. Mm, I thought it was an interesting word. Well, that. it's true. United fans do not like each other. They turn on each other online less so in real life but as i put in the article you're seeing a real toxic atmosphere created usually anonymously and it it, it leads to real tension out of that the uh, 1958 group has been formed uh, they're frustrated they're angry they want a change in ownership at manchester united a lot of fans would absolutely agree with that, would be sympathetic to what they're doing. And you saw a strength of feeling today uh, with the fans who met at the tollgate and walked down towards Old Trafford, singing the various songs. Uh, what this will lead to, we don't know. I've been involved in fan politics since 1992. And I put the money in to start um, in Musa, which became must. Uh, I've, I've paid for and funded um, protests against high ticket prices and organise them. It takes a huge amount of effort. As I said on a previous podcast, went down to Whitehall after the Glazer takeover, paid for that. Complete waste of time, if I'm honest. And you're getting a new generation of fans now whose frustrations are coming to the fore. And just look at the league table. It's a little bit better after the Norwich game than it was before the game. What's wrong with fifth, Andy? The league table is baffling right yeah. now, considering that result. Yeah, but yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> talk about that a little bit later on. I mean, what have the club said about this, Carl? So th there was a statement released just after full time from a Manchester United spokesperson saying, we are working hard to create the conditions for renewed success on the pitch while strengthening our engagement with fans. We respect the right of fans to voice their opinions peacefully and we'll continue to listen to them with the aim of working together to get the club back where we all want it to be, competing for trophies. Ralph Ragnick also offered similar statements, both in the Friday press conference before the game against Norwich and afterwards, saying essentially 
you know, he believes the Manchester United fan base to be one of the best in the world that always supports the fans, to always supports the players, and he appreciates that. And as long as everything goes peacefully, he believes that the fan base should be allowed to express their beliefs peacefully. Um, it's a statement that feels like a statement we've heard much before, Andy, in my opinion. I don't really care that much what Ralph Rangnick says about this situation. He's coming to the club for six months. He communicates very well. Um, he's, he, in saying that you know, the fans have got a right to peace, p- peaceful process, fine, that's fair enough, but he's largely irrelevant in this. Um, the Glazers have been there since 2005. He's playing the diplomat, which I'd expect him to do. He's the manager of Manchester United, but he's paid by the club. He's not played to inflame the situation, but to calm things down. And I'll judge him as a manager, and he's underwhelmed me from what I've seen this season. If I'm honest, uh, I give him a good chance. He might well sneak that fourth. And if he does, I'll be saying to him, <laughs> "You never know, dear. You've been a success. It really is that that simple to me. And if he doesn't, and if if you just if you just give us a minute, actually, Kyle, can you just run over there because Ralph Randick is literally about ten meters yeah, away from us, yeah. having his picture taken in the director's box. <laughs> Go and tell him what Andy thinks. <laughs> sure. One second. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, we'll, we'll definitely reflect on Manchester United's position. I mean, how successful do you think in getting their voices heard the fans have been today, Andy? Considering you weren't here at the game, you're probably a better barometer than Carl and I. I mean, we're recording about an hour after the match has finished, so you know we've not really had time to digest the impact away from here. I think it's been pretty effective in terms of the mainstream knew that there were protests today. Uh, journalists were tweeting as they, they should be doing, covering the story. I think I watched a game on television that was mentioned um, several times. Of course, my radar is switched on for it because I've been writing about this and fan issues and fan culture all my life. The reason I wasn't there was because I was covering games in Spain this week and I was at Eintracht Frankfurt Barca on Thursday night where the strongest story was the fan culture, the biggest ever away following I've seen. Um in, in Europe for a normal match, 25,000, 30,000 Frankfurt fans. I'll, I'll be back for the game at Anfield. I'll be keeping an eye on what goes on off the pitch as well as what goes on um, on the pitch. Same again at Arsenal on Saturday, I'll be there. Now, th- there's definitely... Everyone will know that there's been a protest. And I've read the comments to my piece on The Athletic and there's a lot of agreement there. Once again, everyone's got their own ideas. There's so many experts on this and I've seen it. And as I say in the piece, I've seen people come and go and disappear um, in a flush of enthusiasm. Um, And I've seen that happening for 30 years. You cannot deny the strength of feeling among a lot of United fans. Those fans who entered the stadium late, they made their point tangibly, but fans were also singing inside the stadium. I think if Norwich would have scored a third... All game. Yeah. All game yeah. they were singing. Yeah, and you could tell it to all as well. There was a real knife-edge moment. You've referred to it in previous podcasts. You could feel that inside the stadium. Definitely. United shouldn't be seventh in the table. And again, there's no divine right, but fans are entitled to, to voice their opinions and the club are entitled to have their view as well. So the club have given a statement back and they pushed back and said, listen... We've done things like hold ticket prices. We've introduced um, rail seats. We've listened about the atmosphere and we've acted upon it. And they have, to be fair to the club. And I said that in the piece, there's been a lot of smaller successes, but they all come under the cloud of the ownership at the club. And what's the plan B? 
there's not a queue of owners waiting to take over. So where does it go from here? I said in the piece, there was a depressing number of people um, were prepared to welcome Saudi owners when that was muted, without foundation really, a couple of years ago. There isn't a long line of billionaires looking to take over football clubs and plough their money into it without having any say. Um, but my point at the end of, of my article was that Manchester United do not need to be owned by anybody. The club is big enough to stand on its own two feet, to, to be self-sustaining, doesn't need to be in debt, to be successful. But that's very idealistic now because in 2005, the club was, was bought in a very aggressive manner. And we've still got the headache to that all of these years later. The protests may increase, they may decrease, but they will be back. Uh, I don't doubt the intentions of some of the people at the club. There's some great people who work at Manchester United in trying to improve fan relations. I don't think that anyone doesn't want the team to be successful, but it's doubly complicated by the way Manchester City are funded, the way Chelsea have been funded, maybe Newcastle United now, the way they are funded, makes difficult for a club like Manchester United who are proud to generate their own revenues. The fans are less proud with the dividends that are taken out, with the debt, with the debt payments. So it is a complex issue. And fans, for as loyal as they are, they're also incredibly fickle as well. They change the tune. A few new signings, they change the tune. A new manager will come in. Fans will change the tune. And a point I make in the article, clicktivism is very easy. It is very hard to sustain proper protest. It, it, requires huge amounts of energy and we've seen that today and there might be another one next week or there might not be we've we've seen it come up and come down i know there's people at the club trying to do their bit but while the team is still struggling you're going to have this discontent okay you can go and read andy's article about the protests on the athletic now if you're a subscriber if you're not remember there's the offer for new subscriptions to the athletic the offer is one pound a month for the first six months to take advantage of that just go to the athletic.com forward slash man united pod you get full access to all our great writing and ad free versions of the athletics podcast as well including this one that's the athletic.com forward slash man united pod sign up now This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Right, well, while Andy and I have been talking there, Carl did actually go down to speak to the Manchester United manager, Ralph Rangnick, in the press box. Did you tell him what Andy had to say? Very much so. So, uh, first of all, we had, a, we had a good chat in the press conference where he, he described things as a matter of intensity for United's defending. He said, it's not much about shape, but it's about that. So, what went up to him and said, thank you for your candidness in the press conference. I really like your, your approach to the fullbacks. And then he gave me a pretty good answer about what you thought about the, the final 25 minutes when Antonio Langer's playing at fullback uh, and said, you know, this is, this is something it's not sustainable, but this is what you have to do. Uh, and I said, you've had to be quite inventive throughout the season because of injuries and whatnot. Uh, and then he made a hand motion similar to threading a needle uh, <laughs> while describing Rafael Varane's uh, injury status in, in terms of, you know, you get to one thing, you, you solve it that way, and yeah. then you get to another thing, you solve it another way. Uh, and then we uh, we shook hands and said goodbye. <laughs> yeah, a one-to-one audience with Ralph Rangnick post-match. Very nice indeed. That's the advantage of recording Talk of the Devils in the press box after the matches. So let, let's talk about the game then. Um, a 3-2 win over Norwich. Um, an important result considering United are now up to fifth with Tottenham and Arsenal losing on Saturday as well. But uh, an enduring image probably from this game, aside from Ronaldo's hat-trick, which we'll speak about in a minute, was Paul Pogba being jeered off the pitch and then cupping his ear as he left the field at full time to the chorus of Manchester United fans letting him know exactly what they thought of him. What did you make of it all, Carl? That one... So the boos were quite confusing. So it's around the 73rd minute he comes off for Marcus Rashford and... It was the initial half second where you're wondering if, if the fans were booing the fact that Paul Pogba was being taken off. And then it became quite obvious that fans were saying F off Pogba, which I thought was slightly odd. Uh, you consider this time a year ago, Paul Pogba was on the bench for a game against Leeds United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't want to play him because he was concerned about the energy levels Pogba might have um, while fasting for Ramadan. And you understand Pogba's playing in this lone defensive midfield position and he's toiling. He's not playing a great game. I don't think he's played very great since he's come back from international break. But I don't think he had a poor game against Norwich. So, Do you not think it's a culmination of his whole United career coming to a head today, though, I rather think, than just that? I think that's what's happened. Yeah. So when he gets booed off again at full time and he's cupping his ear, I did. it did remind me a lot of the end of the 2018-19 season where United lose 2-0 against Cardiff City. Pogba gives his shirt to, the, to a young boy in the United crowd and just other United fans decided to just shout abuse at him. Pogba yeah. is... I think I've been on this podcast a lot talking about how much I love Paul Pogba. Pogba is passive-aggressive when he's annoyed. I think that's fair to say. Uh, and I think the cupping his ear is similar to his reaction against Cardiff. Where at Cardiff, uh, quite a few fans swear at him a lot and he gave him a thumbs up and a nod. And I think that's very much his reaction to a lot of stuff. I think that's also the angriest I've seen Paul Pogba play a game of football. Um, he got clipped in the ear by Harry Maguire, unfortunately. That's yeah, piece. that reaction was extreme, wasn't it? And he viciously beat the turf in frustration, which again... I will, uh, I will put some of it up to the fact that he's not eaten since the sun rose. So uh, if he wants to be a bit annoyed at certain things more than usual, I can understand that. I thought he played well in the first half. There was that um, moment where he, he plucked the ball out the sky and nutmegged a Norwich player. And I saw that and thought, whoa, this is what so few footballers can do. He faded uh, at the start of the second, uh, like his team. I don't think his performance today is a main talking point. Um, it's really interesting what Carl says about him not having eaten since this morning affecting. I just wouldn't know that. I find it very interesting. Um, 
he was furious, uh, as I would be if Harry Maguire had kicked me in the ear and drew blood. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's a pretty natural reaction. The relationship with United fans is broken, and mm-hmm. it's been broken for a while. Someone said to me about him who knows him um, four or five months ago. I think I said it on the podcast. He's basically he's given Good, up yeah. with trying to win over the fans. Yeah. And he is entitled to react as he did, actually. Um, fans can't have it both ways. If you give it, you've got to get a bit, a bit back. But there's a cloud over him, and that is that he came with such high expectations. 2016, world's most expensive footballer. He's underwhelmed. He's had some great games. He's had some terrible games. And a lot of fans just don't see United in him. They feel that he, he pushed to leave the club the first time round, even though I actually think he was right to do that because I think Fergie mm-hmm. was wrong. I think Paul Pogba was right in 2012. And then... Was it really 10 years ago? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> wow. It's mad. This has been going on that long? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And... and it's just frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for him. I can't damn him and say he's unprofessional because he's not. And everyone I know who knows him speaks of a really nice person. Uh, he's just using the the laws in terms of running the contract down to his own advantage. And that pisses fans off as well. Because fans... For the second time. Fans just... They, they want to believe that all the players love the shirt like they do. But football professional footballers don't see things the same way as fans. And I speak to professional footballers every single week. They just see things differently. It's their occupation. And fans don't want to hear that. They want to hear, you know, Ralph Rangnick saying they're the best fans in England. It's hollow platitudes, stuff like that to me. It doesn't mean anything. Um, So, Paul Pogba's anger. I was going to say I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of it on the pitch, but we did see a bit of it on the pitch today. (laughs) It's, It's just a great shame, the whole Pogba situation, that it's come to this. I very much agree. I think it's it's a damn shame considering how much hype and bluster was around him coming in and the fact that Manchester United, I'd say outside signing Nemanja Matic, never really got the players Paul Pogba needed to thrive. I mean, you think about his best stint at the club is under interim Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the 4-3-3 where Matic is at, as the holding midfielder and Herrera is shuttling as number eight and Pogba's doing that 8-10 hybrid winger thing. And then it gets to April and Ander Herrera gets injured. They go into that international break and that's when Pogba first starts doing what Paul Pogba nearly always does in international breaks, which is go to France, talk to a magazine about how Real Madrid's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I remember the first time he did it, I went, why are you doing this? And then when he most recently did it, I went, oh, you always do this. And then I think there was one international break where he didn't do this. And I went, oh, that's weird. Are you okay? Um, the Paul Pogba situation will... will likely resolve itself this summer and I think what did strike me as I'm not going to say unusual but it did it did stand out today against Norwich was the fact that Manchester United started with Paul Pogba as your, as your holding midfielder not his best position and he's a player who's going to be leaving in the summer in central midfield attacking midfield there was Jesse Lingard I wouldn't say that's his best position and he's going to be leaving in the summer later on Nemanja Matic came on to pair Paul Pogba in holding midfield He's just been on Instagram yesterday saying he intends to leave the club this summer. Uh, and then in the end, uh, Juan Mata came on as well uh, in a, I don't know what position it was. I'm going to say right-sided attacking play while Elanga went to right-back. And he's going to be leaving in the summer as well. So, yes, this is, you know, at the end, at the full time, this is a really good day for Man United, strangely. You know, they've 
The league table says that. Yeah. The league table says that you've had a pretty peaceful and what seems to be a possibly positive protest. Um, you've seen Cristiano Ronaldo score a free kick goal, which is a bit of a collector's item, and you've seen Manchester United score from a corner, which when it happened, I went blimey. Um, and yet, it's hard to shake uh, a bit of a tinge of sadness. I don't know. Were you? It felt like Manchester United put in a lot of huff and puff to put away a team that is essentially the worst team in the Premier League. Yeah, it begs the question again: Where would we be without Cristiano Ronaldo? Ilanga, he's in here. Anthony Ilanga, and Ronaldo scores. Made by Ilanga, dispatched by Ronaldo, and it's the early goal United wanted. So here's the corner from the right-hand side. Dangerous 2-0. It's Ronaldo again. 20 goals for the season. It's Ronaldo who hits it. Oh, what a strike. Ronaldo's 60th career hat-trick. The man is a machine. Another Manchester United hat-trick for Cristiano Ronaldo. And this could be massive in the top four race. Yes, um, I saw lots of tweets when the third goal went in his second hat-trick in back-to-back home games here at Old Trafford in the Premier League. The problem scores another hat-trick, etc, etc, etc. It's easy and we've done it to construct arguments about why Manchester United might be better without Cristiano Ronaldo. But Andy, again, he's produced a performance that makes you list all these ridiculous stats. 21 goals in all competitions now for Ronaldo, well clear as Manchester United's leading scorer in all competitions. His 50th career hat-trick at club level. Only Son and Salah have scored more goals in the Premier League this season. No player has scored more goals in home matches this season than Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he scored, what, 20-plus goals in 16 consecutive seasons now as well. Where would they be without him? Struggling. Even more than the team are struggling, in all probability. Most people left Old Trafford today happy because of Cristiano Ronaldo. If he wouldn't have got that hat-trick, I used the word mutiny on the podcast earlier on in the week. I think that would have applied. Some of United's best moments this season have been because of Cristiano Ronaldo. Getting out of that Champions League group was largely because of Cristiano Ronaldo. You can look at the stats and everybody does, but I like to feel the emotion of being in the ground. I know what it was like against Atalanta or against Villarreal. Uh, when he scored or against Tottenham when he scored a hat-trick. It was absolutely brilliant that he's still doing it. I've got doubts uh, about his role in the team, but today he was fantastic and he, he just brings joy. I watched the game today with my daughters and they absolutely love Cristiano Ronaldo. They're, they're, they're eight, they're 11. Um, they were copying him when he scored. They were more bothered about his celebration than the actual goal. Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? And he does it, and they absolutely love him. They're completely starstruck by him. And I think huge numbers of people in Manchester United's fan base are as well. Maybe not the some of the match-going cynics, but he's a global superstar. And that's why Manchester United signed him. And when he does stuff like today, he seemed really up for it. I know um, the first two were pretty easy and... Well, Dean Smith he said that, wasn't he? impressed, Andy. He wasn't. He wasn't impressed. He said, we gave him no. the first, we let him have a free run for the second and the keeper yeah. should have saved the third. He, he yeah. wasn't spellbound by Ronaldo. He also did say, and I will add this, in, in the second press conference section, he said at half-time he told Norwich's players that if you can score 20 goals a season and, and 15 assists, then you don't need to press either. 
So again, I think this is the thing where it's not just football fans, <laughs> but it's also football managers who are also going. Ronaldo, and I think if you if you love Ronaldo, if you dislike Ronaldo, you have to understand Ronaldo is not so much a football player as a football company. Institution. He's an institution unto yeah. himself, and therefore um, there are some can you know there are some footballing rules that you break because he breaks them himself and we, we know there's a fantastic video I think Juventus did for their marketing team of just like and this is what Ronaldo brought to our marketing team hooray uh, and then you go well did you get to the Champions League final and they go be quiet and I, th- <laughs> and I think I think that's what we're seeing not just the United fan base but also with people like Dean Smith in that you shouldn't have a player who is 37 years of age still scoring 20 goals in all competitions uh, and we, we, we talk about the stats. I think there was a, a great one from James Tyler who said, fifth, I think 10 of his Ronaldo's goals have been scored across four fixtures in the league this season, which again is that very weird thing mm-hmm. of he, he picks his spots. And no, he's not the Ronaldo that from the first stage of Manchester United. And he's not the Ronaldo that he was even four years ago. A- and I feel a bit weird talking this long about a hat-trick scored against Norwich at home but you, I did have that thing of he still scored it he still scored it and and that's that yeah it is isn't it <laughs> right let's move on Norwich scored 20% of their away goals in uh, in six minutes today at Old Trafford I think if you <laughs> fair if, enough that was worth extending the section for <laughs> if you watched that game as a neutral I think it was a really open game of football you know the sun was I enjoyed the it. sun was shining yeah. there, there was a lot of um, yeah, yeah. merit to it this wasn't like Manchester United have been in so many games uh, of late. I've mentioned Dean it Smith. It certainly was entertaining. No matter which way you looked at that game, it was an entertaining match. Even off the pitch was entertaining. I've mentioned Dean Smith a few times on this podcast and I, I just found an interview I did with him 10 years ago when he was at Warsaw. He was telling me about his carpool from Sheffield to Leeds Port Vale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one near, uh, near Birmingham, unfortunately for him. He once told me that he was... Our producer Ollie's shaking his head. He doesn't like that material. <laughs> he, he said, I was uh, I was only late twice as a footballer. Once when I was held up by the Tour of Britain in Derbyshire and once when the road was flooded with sheep. And I never forgot that sheep line. That's completely irrelevant, <laughs> but I thought I'd give you a little left-field Dean Smith story. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Right, let's just squeeze in a preview to a football game that's happening on Tuesday between still the two most successful clubs in the history of English football, Manchester United, away at Anfield against Liverpool. Andy, you're going to be there. Um, Are you hoping to be... Sampling a Manchester United win at Anfield, a rare one in recent times. What on earth is going to happen there? You're asking me, am I hoping or am I expecting? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really nervous. On, on Wednesday night in Madrid, um, I got in a lift with Jan Molby. And 
I looked at him and I tell you what my overriding feeling was. I've never felt as as little confidence going into a Liverpool Manchester United game at Anfield since September 1990 when Liverpool won four 0 and Mulby, etc. Absolutely played United off the park. But what we remember that day for more than anything is how good the Manchester United fans were. They did not stop singing and. I feel backed into a corner here as a United fan going to Anfield. I'm, I feel like backs are against the wall here. Liverpool are brilliant. Uh, some Liverpool fans are, they're talking, I think an element of them will be quite un, un, uneasy because it is Manchester United, but they're so much better than Manchester United this season. Some United fans were saying after the Everton game last week, Liverpool will be thinking, how much can we boost our goal difference by by smashing Manchester United? That's pretty depressing. Well, let's hope that's overconfidence, Carl. I hope so. Yes. So, uh, again, going back to the, the post-match press conference, Rangnick very much had the, the impression of he, he'll take the result, but the performance, he didn't believe it was good enough. He talked about uh, a need for increased physicality from Manchester United and said, and said it, it's not a question of shape as to why we're conceding goals. It's the fact that we basically said we get bullied off the ball too much. I did ask him, was he concerned about weaknesses in the full-back area? Because the first goal United concede against Norwich is Dallow gets nutmegged and then Alex Telles is far too narrow and the ball goes over his head at the back stick, which is, uh, I think I've said similar things about Aaron Wan-Bissaka most of the last season as and well. And Luke Shaw. And Luke Shaw. Yeah. And then the second goal is Alex Telles is far too, far, you know, far too advanced as the ball gets played in behind Victor Lindelof. Uh, and you consider the forwards that Liverpool have uh, um, and that they will probably try and target the space behind United's fullbacks. That is concerning. So I think there's reason to be concerned there. Rennick also made some comments about the absence of Fred and Scott McTominay and how essentially they're there. Any chance of them being back? It seems very unlikely either man will be back. So I think you might get a repeat 11. Matic coming in? for half an hour I'd imagine as well so uh, in terms of hope expectation I think we might be vaguely in the air of praying <laughs> oh no I'll um, take a score draw yeah a draw would be incredible <laughs> wouldn't it wow uh, Andy I think you summed it up quite nicely where you said you don't know how much confidence you've got heading into this match which is not a position that United want to be in of course while they were beating Norwich here 3-2 Liverpool were recording the same scoreline at Wembley in their FA Cup semi-final uh, there's the awful prospect of facing up to the reality that they are what about 10 matches away from winning a quadruple now which would be horrendous for Manchester United fans so surely surely the players, the fans, everyone connected with this club has to harness the opportunity to spoil the party. Surely. Surely. I agree with you. And, and when I walk through the turnstiles on Tuesday night, because I'm an idiot, I'll be thinking that Manchester United will probably win the game. And then They are there to spoil the party. <laughs> they are yeah. there to spoil. Although, I'm talking rubbish again because I've not even got a ticket. So if anyone's got a spare for the away end on <laughs> Tuesday, let, let me know and I'll meet you outside the turnstiles. Um yeah, Liverpool are fantastic. They've, they've beaten Manchester City. Um, we, we've seen their, their, their results. Um, they, they, they could be winning doubles, trebles, or even better than that. It's 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 a really worrying time if you're going to focus too much on on Liverpool. And Carl used the word pray. 
given the the absences for Manchester United, um, Norwich exploited Manchester United today. You rightly touched on the two full-backs. I thought they were very concerning. Harry Maguire remains uh, an issue. Uh, David De Gea, thankfully, is playing very, very well. But for Manchester United to get anything there, you need seven or eight players to be on top form. I thought Juan Mata did well when he came on today. I don't think Bruno mm-hmm. Fernandes is, is fully, fully at it. I don't know why that is. Um, Jaden Sancho... Not too deep, didn't he, really, yeah. in that formation as yeah. well, to be fair. Nemanja Matic is dependable, but when when he's put up against fast midfielders, he struggles. The best example of that was PSG at home a couple of years ago. Um, Anthony Langer has, has, has got its moments, but we're scraping here. We really are. Liverpool okay. would need to be um, really off form not to beat Manchester United. Okay, well, we're about to get thrown out of the press box for, I think, the third time this season on Talk of the Devil. So I think we better say goodbye. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. So all it leaves me to say is thank you to Andy over in Barcelona. Thank you to Carl for being nice and cosy with me here in the press box at Old Trafford. We'll be back after that game on Tuesday against Liverpool. Let's hope we've got something positive to reflect on. But thanks for listening at home and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.